Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Hey everybody, thanks for listening if you are. Welcome to the show that I use as an excuse to corner people whose work I love and ask them to be my new best friend. If anything, it is where I find and take an opportunity to chat and hang out with and celebrate fellow creatives and have a bonding session. That's anything from talking about pop culture, life, telling stories, and if necessary, sometimes doing nothing more than the basic ass artist profile. But I prefer adding the candid and whatnot, and always have. And I do this podcast in a way that's not as marketable or even profitable as it is me. Hence the fucking name. So listen, or not, whatever. But if you do listen, today I have yet another great episode. Today I have Abbott Gaithon. He makes worlds. He tells stories in those worlds. Wonderful worlds and wonderful stories. You can read some of the titles in the episode description. But shit, Phone Sexer stands out. Toon Wolf. The Pop. It's Twistleton. Speaking of stories, his life in California is full of these life stories. Growing up in Modesto making a, a garage show with Savannah Najarian, Justin Roiland, and Ben Page called Street Sides, currently available somewhere on YouTube, uh, all the way to now where he's currently making worlds and telling stories like the one you'll find in Abbott and Savan's Enter the Dark on Frequency 101. Check out the show notes. Damn, I'm good at this. Or terrible. Whatever. We enter the convo on me telling Abed how I discovered him which is fucking useless. Enjoy listening to that moron talk to Abed, but I'll be back on the solo to introduce the songs. Put your hands together now for Abed Gaith. I can't possibly thank you enough, Abed. You've given me years of laughter oh, and enjoyment. thanks. Appreciate uh, it. With the shows on, on 101. It's, it's awesome that... Sorry, Zoom delay. I appreciate that. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a super fan. <laughs> I... I I knew that I was a fan of your, just the way it timed out in my life, like finding out about the gateway to Channel 101, which was, of course, Community and then Harmontown, GVP. I had already thought of you as a separate oh, person before I even knew, listening to GVP, that you were the same. Oh, they don't just share a name. Abed from Community was loosely based on you. But <laughs> like, I was a fan of phone sexers already. This is 2012, mid-2012. I'm finding out about Channel 101 and... I mean, Community is a great sitcom and I cool. love it, but it was the gateway to the longest obsession thing I've ever been a fan of, apart from the Beatles, <laughs> Channel 101. So thank you, you for you, phone sexers. It's thank interesting you for, that um, you mentioned. You go. I'm done. You're welcome. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but thank you so much. And that means a lot. And what's amazing is that you brought up phone sexers with Community. There was, um, I want to say it's the PayPal episode, but Harmon. He might have said this in an interview or something, and he was like that phone sexers was was there was an influence there from our show and, and, and community. It was like he saw a way to do action that was silly but like super fun. You know what I mean? And like violence, or or either that or the stuff that the fact that we parodied movies. Like he right. borrowed that kind of tactic. I'm not sure. Something like that. There's a connection. So that's that's really amazing that you that you like it. It was honestly just a brainchild of me and Ridley. I, I had the idea that when he when I got with him, he, he took it to another level. You know, so I, I give him a lot of credit for just taking a dumb idea and soaring. It's not a dumb idea, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Allow me to get podcasting <laughs> well, for a second. On paper, it's dumb. This Ryan Ridley, what does he sound like? Uh, hey, Abed, uh, you're talking about me. I'm not there. Uh, why don't you uh, invite me on? I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I can make that impression because he has yelled at me. Like, I, I think I said the word, uh, I might have said the word Jew once, and then he was like, well, Abed, whoa! whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, he was in pain. <laughs> he does have a voice that's perfect for cartoon characters, like like um, the cop in fucking Toon Wolf. He, he just yeah, had to yeah. talk or, as Ryan Ridley for that. It's pretty much, um, when I when I wrote that, I just thought, I guess Ridley, it's like Ridley kind of is like, he can be the dad figure in the room who just goes, ah, Ben, what are you doing? Are you serious? Drive home uh, without drugs. <laughs> 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 you, you know, like that sort of parental figure. So yeah. 
writing a, that character is so easy. It's like I just imagine him going off on a tangent like he's nuts, but he right. takes it out on like the cases, you know, like he's taking it out on this tune wolf, which makes no sense that, that he would care, right? That he would be a bolder guy that's like, oh, I'm going to focus on that because I, I got some sort of inner pain. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this. The way I've written stuff – is like I imagine like like Magneto, like everyone has their personal struggle, and then you're thrown into a storyline where like all of a sudden you have to focus on one thing, but you really are sort of fucked up in your own way. So it's not like you're a bad guy. You're just in this situation and you don't want to be there really. Does that right. make sense? Most people when they write, they can't write because they're like, well, I don't know how to think for another character. I don't know how to how this guy would say that. But that is how you write. You have to be in a different world. It's like fundamental, I think. But 101 was perfect for that. Yeah. Trying to get back to 101. Let me see if my hypothesis of like you and anyone's or you and mine or you might just be in a different species all of your own. When it comes to being exposed to stuff in your life, let me, let me find an example because I know that I'm starting a bunch of sentences and, that, and you're like, where the fuck is he going to go with this? <laughs> Have you ever watched a movie? As far back in time as the realm of how many movies you've seen was relatively smaller. I think I know where you're going with this because I could say that there are movies growing up that were fundamental. Is that what you mean? That just built my brain? That it, that, it, that is part of it. But like, there's this thing of, of like, say, say it was community for me that led to everything else and this conversation now it's like when when you watch something and you connect with it in a certain way some people uh-huh. are just fine with that and they go to work and they don't have a creative outlet or whatever i'm totally like us and theming but people like myself no i get it i told go you. like who wrote this what else have they done who who's acting in this what you else know, yeah I, I do the no 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 i like that you brought that up because that is not what a lot of most people don't do that. I know me and Ridley do that. When I do that, it's only because there's such a drought with good stuff that you want more. So if you like Joss Whedon, I guess he's bad to talk about now, but if you like Farscape, you'll go watch Sequest or, or uh, Alien Nation. You know, mm-hmm. you'll see what, uh, what else that guy's doing. You're just curious. Like a better example would be like David Lynch. It's like when I got into him, it was actually, I think, started with Twin Peaks. And then I saw every movie and it was almost like a treasure trove of films. It was like, yeah. like Lost Highway was like fucking nuts. You know, I was like, that's like next level. It's like, you, do you realize that I watched it the first time and I stopped it because I was getting scared? Oh, I'm, I basically I, was like, I can't handle this movie. <laughs> I'm like, like yeah. he's looking inside my brain and he's like, are you freaked out yet? And I'm like, I'm freaked out way too much. I have to put this away. Yeah. That sort of thing. I'm so freaked out. Uh, I don't even care what it means. I'm so disturbed and I don't know why. But it's kind of like he doesn't know what it means. So right. the scary thing is that if it means something to you and that you're seeing something he almost doesn't intend, that's terrifying, right? Yeah. Because my biggest fear is like I'll watch something and it'll be exactly like something I've been through. Right. But it's almost like a foretelling of something. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I had it happen recently, but I, I don't know if I should go into it. It's almost like the work like goes beyond you watching something. It, it almost applies to – like Lynch would scare me because I've had nightmares that are like – I'm like, that's kind of what I have nightmares about is that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people Did- are talking backwards and there's like mixed messages and then whispering about killers' names, stuff like that. And then your arm's uh, been backwards. Favorite show, by the way. Twin Peaks? Yeah. Her, yeah, my arm's been back. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> Well, you know what? Sometimes my arm's been back. I was going to say full soaker story. I'm just like attaching things that don't match. But uh, like phone sexers obviously had an impact on me. The idea that it's phone sexers, but Hellraiser's a guest star on it. Like the movie Hellraiser. And I love that. I don't want to spoil it, but because of that being something that's fun to do and fun to watch or see on 101, I have the thing, the sitcom, but it's with aliens. But... Twin Peaks makes a guest appearance in a way. And that's... <laughs> that's great. You yeah, just I, give something away there? Like a spoiler for your show? Yeah, but not all of them. You, um, know, you know what's funny is... Because I'm writing a show also for Frequency and little things kind of pop in where I'm just sort of like, that's a line from... Well, in Groove Fighters, I took a line from Hook. You know what I mean? Like I used right. the line straight out of Hook. 
Yeah. And it's because I think it's the line that Carrie Fisher wrote, I think. Huh. I might be wrong. Because she uh, punched up the script. I thought she wrote another line, and I think she wrote the line that I used, but I almost did it without thinking, and it was like, because it's the same emotion that I had before, I wanted to translate that in, in a quick way. Does that make right. sense? So that if you're like me and you love Hook and you see this scene, you'll be like, wow, that's great. That like makes me feel something. It's an instant kind of feeling. That's one of my and, favorite uh, movies. Maybe of that's all time. where you. Well, me too. And then I'm ro- working with someone now who hates it, and it's <laughs> like kind of like I had to brush it aside to be like I don't want to go into why I like it. Right. I have more of a Peter Pan complex, so that's my attachment. But some people, because I think it's so beloved, like I've done this too, like Titanic. It's like you just hate it. <laughs> like you just hate it because everyone loves it. You know, like yeah. you want to stop hearing about this dumb Titanic movie. It's like, get, get over it, man. He made aliens for fuck's sake. I don't care yeah. about a boat. For the first song in this episode, I'm going to play a track by I Am 5 AM, which is very oddly to me coming up on being a decade since we made it. And by we, I mean myself on vocals and co-writing and in Alexander Smith on guitars and co-writing. Uh, I made a pop album uh, between 2011 and 2015 that was very much about being young and during a time when I was, in fact, doing what most people do between 18 and 25, but in my age of 25 to 30, then, while writing songs about it, you know, closing down the bars, dancing at the club, you know, and uh, certainly one of the fondest things I think about in that time is getting to make an album with the slow burn process with the amazingly talented Ian Smith, who I became really good friends with in the process. So check this out. It's called 21 by I am 5 am aka moi. We got nine lives. We gonna kill one tonight. We got young minds. Sexy sexy
for the, one of the first times ever, I actually watched something before the hype came, and it the hype still pissed me off. But I watched the Queen's Gambit when it first went on. I thought it was very enjoyable. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't push it on anyone else. And then it's showing me number one rated and people are like, Queen's Gambit on the internet. I make the choice to pay attention to it and absorb it and have that reaction. But I'm just like, shut up about the Queen's Gambit. I like that with Stranger Things. It's like, I'm tired of it. I was also like you where I watched it early and I loved it. But I'm like, all right, but let's move past it. Like there's other stuff. (laughs) Uh, And then someone goes, well, they'll criticize me for that with like The Wire. But The Wire is like different it's brilliant right like the wire is a show that makes you go out and tell people and make them watch it right because that to me is the testament of like is it good i want to go back to twin peaks for a second but i'll tell you a great story because this is before anybody binge watched right i didn't know anything about twin peaks it must have been 1999 maybe right this is when i was discovering david lynch because i think i loved elephant man and blue velvet so i go to the video store and on the shelf is the twin peaks pilot like right. the motorcycle shot, you know, and I'm like, what's this? David Lynch directed it. All right. I am not prepared for what I saw at all. Yeah. So I watch it and then I just want more. And then I found out like, well, where are the episodes? It turns out the only way to get every episode, this is before like the internet had them. Yeah. I bought a set of all the episodes on VHS and they recorded in EP mode. So they were shitty quality, but there's 35 episodes. So I had them all on VHS and then me and my friend watched every single one. We nice. just like hung out. We were up till like almost 4 a.m. every night watching like five episodes in a row where it's like, oh my God, David Lynch left the show, but I'm still captivated by the characters and their bullshit. Yeah. Right? You somehow care about Josie Packard, even though it's not even interesting anymore. You know what I mean? Who cares about her ex-husband's alive now? Who gives a shit? But Or Ben Horn, that he loves the Civil War. I, what the fuck? Yeah. It was almost like Seinfeld where even though Larry David left, they're still, they're still funny. They're still enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we watched them all. And then like I just told everyone about it. I'm like, remember that show? Blah, blah, blah. And I would lend those to people, those tapes. So it became everybody else's like addiction. Like they, they right. were addicted. It was like drugs, man. If you had the Twin Peaks hookup, you know, your friends would thank you. So see, I Justin wasn't into Twin Peaks, like he hadn't watched it, and me and him went to see Mulholland Drive. Yeah, and he was like, he said that movie was like a normal movie got put in a blender. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you haven't seen Twin Peaks, you don't know. This guy's brain is not wired the same way as you and I. Like right. he's not trying to tell you a story; he's trying to piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you- I'm, do- I'm doing too much talking, but no, I I, I have I, to say that Twin Peaks cha- that's a big game changer. I'm a little bit later. On Lynch, when I was 15, Mulholland Drive was on the Canadian Movie Network. That was the hook of me going David Lynch on my old PC. And from there, I I watched Fire Walk with me before I'd even seen the show. So if you're still young enough to be freaked out by David Lynch, if if you're only my favorite movie of his, by the way, it's a beautiful movie. And I don't mind that it cuts out the Twin Peaks stuff. Like the fact that it, when you watch Twin Peaks, like later on, first. And then the movie, as it was meant to be, because that's how it happened, it's kind of like... It's jarring. Yeah. Because everything you like in the show is not in the movie, right? Right. And the movie makes more sense. There's no... But also, I love when I watch the movie, like, I've seen it so many times, but I love when you see Bobby Briggs and Mike, and he goes, Bobby is the man! Because then you're (laughs) like, I love Bobby Briggs, you know, he like you, you get a taste of him, and I think Norma, like in the diner, and then it's like... You love that world. Man, I'm in Twin Peaks right now, is what you think. Because there's that shot where it goes into town, right? And then it just, you hear the music, and you're like, oh, God, dude, this is everything. This is what I want. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You you and I can do part two of this podcast uh, on the return. (laughs) I do like my hot black coffee. Yeah. Can I segue from this? I love talking with people about TV and movies, and I love hearing you talk about anything. I want to go from that into... If you, if you can pinpoint it, when you took your love of media and, and actually applied it and just said, I want to act in stuff with my friends and start doing this. I want to make stuff. When did that happen? I was, um, I must, uh, the funny thing is, I mean, I was like, I think seven. Oh, wow. I was watching Disney Channel. I was watching fucking Fraggle Rock or whatever. It must have been like the Disney Sunday night movies or something. I started to just make up stories of like me as this character who danced 
Mr. Dancing. And he would have adventures, but his life wouldn't be dancing. He would do that on the side, but then he'd go home and fight crime or something. Whatever right. it was, at a young age, I always made up stuff to entertain myself in a way. Because then later, I would record on like a, a tape cassette, me and my brother doing a radio show. like doing Same. Skits. Holy shit. Oh, really? You <laughs> yeah. did that too? Yeah. I thought I, well, thought well, I was weird. What was weird. your show called? We called it Roundtable Discussion. What was yours called? We did that in 97. So for me, I was 12. Yeah, I was 12 also, I think. And it, it was early 90s or maybe late 80s. I don't know. Like, I, I can't like in there somewhere. But ours was just me, my brother, and my cat. It was like the Abhishek and Sonia show. The cat never did anything, just meowed. We would react to the cat meowing and say, like, we know what the cat's saying. And then we had Michael Jordan as a guest. And I think I was Michael Jordan, but he was obnoxious and so annoying. And he would show up on the show and sing. And then I'd be like, all right, guys, sorry. Get out of here, Michael. And then I, I would do sound effects like I'm beating him up. And it would just be stupid. It would just be – we would punch like the thing I recorded in to yeah. make it sound like someone's getting punched. And then we did a skit where it was like Batman and Robin where Batman and Robin fight the Joker, that dumb shit. But uh, right. like yours was just you guys talking like about subjects. We would talk about subjects. And then as I had more technology, it would evolve into something that included sketches, parody songs, stuff we liked, movie clips, <laughs> pop culture. Uh, I'm learning how to download. You still have those tapes? I have all of you it. You still have those tapes? All of it. How many did you do? Oh, God. I, I, I used to go for one yearly, over 20. Wow. And I did this straight through college. I had college friends on it. I would record candid hangouts and it would just be this thing that only I listened to eventually. But everyone who was like so, on RTD would know that this is for my RTD thing and I would explain to them what it was. And thankfully, well, you, you explained it well enough and people are like, okay, you're not weird for doing this still as an adult. All right. We, we uh, I mean, this is also the same world, but I, I hesitate to talk about it because we sort of created a role playing like a game not right. created like it's now, but we did our own way of doing it where it was like a wrestling league. So we all made up wrestlers, but it was called Gaith Wrestling Federation, GWF. We would act out like the Monday Night Raw things where the, right. where the wrestlers get interviewed and then someone else shows up to like hit the other one with a chair. <laughs> and then we had a, a method of like – so I made up like three wrestlers. My cousin made up three. We could do like a Royal Rumble thing. And we would have the bouts be like with dice – so if I rolled a three and he rolled a four, he's pitting me. So I have to get out of it by getting it like a two or a five. If I get a five, I'm out of it. Then we can go back to rolling back and forth. And then if you get them pinned, you win. But we played it all the time. It was our thing. Right. We would reference it to other people, but people would have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> it was like the most fun ever. And like stuff like that, yeah, we would just like act out skits in front of each other, like the same thing and like, it was our thing and no one really understood it who was on the outside. That's kind of where it all started of just trying to stay creative. And that's why I have a lot in common with Rob Schraub, you know, like he was right. the same way. <clears throat> oh no, then later, like you said, technology changed it. We got a, a camcorder. It was, must have been a high eight at the time. And on these little DV cassettes. Or no, they were bigger. They were high eight. So we would make skits and we would even pretend to do like our own bloopers. Like we would fake the bloopers. Nice. So... <laughs> It was funny because I remember showing friends. Who, it's like nobody bought that joke that the bloopers were real. There was no editing. So it would have to be like we would shoot the skit and then we'd stop and figure out the next scene. Okay, then now what's going to happen? <laughs> okay, uh, we'll do that. And then we shoot. All right, now what? Like so you're not editing. And there was no editing software. It was just like we would do that. And I think we had like 10 episodes. That was called All Mixed Up because of the 311 song. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it sounds silly to say, but like any anything like that will always be a part of the beginning story of making that declaration to yourself for the first time. It's like, this is something I want to do. And I'm going to I'm going to bring back to that. I just remembered a game from childhood. This wasn't like years running, but I remember 96 Star Trek's 30th anniversary in my zeitgeist oh, of Star, Star Trek. Trek. The Elkar's 24th century, next-gen DS9 and Voyager, that was my generation's special friend, Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, same here. We are Sorry. exactly alike. To me, that's Star Trek. And it's like Deep Space Nine is that golden center, right? The like right. chewy center. <laughs> yeah. It's just nestled in between. Because I love Voyager, but man, Deep Space Nine, right, has some moments that are unlike anything else. It's like you're so into the show – 
They're in the middle of the Dominion story. It's fucking right. amazing. It's, like, it's got its own story that crazy to tell. dude from Reanimator shows up. Yeah, yeah, like it's and Odo's like story is so fucking captivating. Yeah, he's like anyway. I'm yeah. with you on that. But so, uh, well, the the game that we continue. played as kids was um, it wasn't like rolling dice, but there. My friend Richard, everyday common person, but he did have a computer brain with remembering facts about ships and what they could do in the Star Trek universe. (laughs) Uh, He would simulate a scenario for me, acting as the enemy or whatever was going on. I would tell him what I wanted to do, and he would tell me how it would work, like a dungeon master. So... Um, and he would go back and forth just to so be like, Oh, I'm firing my photon lasers. And he's like, no, my shields are up. Yeah. 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 He was the reason I learned what a prefix code was. The prefix code <laughs> used in Star Trek two was where you can tell a ship to lower its shields down from your ship. I'm like, that is fucked up. Oh, wow. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that is oh. fucked up. I didn't even know that. Yeah. 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 So the next song is sort of a precursor to the I Am 5 AM project. It's the brain and body child of Ian Smith and the way more talented Todd Clark. So this is uh, the 2011 song that invited me to request Ian Smith's production services. This project is called Animal Heart, and the song is called Miami. Mind. 
Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant. Exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan, who isn't Starfleet, has no idea why his shields are going down. Raise them! I can't! I and, will pursue him from Mars to Delegate 5. I don't remember the line. I just yeah. love that scene when Khan is like, I will chase him through Round Antares and Maelstrom perdition flames before I give him up. Yeah, he's fucking brilliant. That I lo- oh my god, you're giving me goosebumps because to me that, I saw that as a kid. That movie changed yeah. my life, right? It's like the worm shit was so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and if some like of the speeches, yeah, and if if Shakespeare fans don't get off on those movies, I don't know what. It's Shakespeare in space. Come on. It's all about the fucking confrontation with Khan and Kirk. It's like it is like Shakespeare. It's like just the stuff they say and how emotional it gets. It's so fucking good. And then Search for Spock is such a fucking. Big mess. <laughs> it's like a bad episode of uh, of uh, General Hospital or something. All right, all right, all right, we're going down a rabbit hole, but you mentioned something about Michael Jordan, and I can't remember if it was Jordan or not, but that reminded me of Street Side. Do you want to talk about how long oh. ago Street Side was and, and what that was? So Street Side was me, Justin, Savon, this guy Ben Page. It started when I wasn't around, and they would just go and like at parties set up a camera. And just film people in the, in the party, and like Justin would be like a TV show announcer, like talk man on the street, like a guy that comes out of the street, like Jay Leno, like street walking and talk to people. And then I, when I came around, we started writing skits, and we had this other guy, Aaron Schultz, who's also was kind of in the mix, and we just started doing like bad sketch comedy because we were into like Mr. Show and like Monty Python and stuff. And those are terrible. There was one incident where Justin wanted me to get in a dress and I completely refused. He got mad. He ended up wearing the dress and doing the scene. I got pissed that he shot without me. So I called his mom and told her to pretend that I was crying and basically give him shit. And he got so mad at me because I armed his mom against him because she played along. She was like, oh, I get the joke. I'm going to really let him have it. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, it's upset. He's crying. Justin's like, what? He's crying? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Why would he tell you he's crying? Uh, and so uh, anyway, that was a funny story. But um, we would do these – like Savon was editing at the time on like Premiere. So he would edit them and then we would always goof off and have a great time. And it was like nobody else did that kind of stuff. We even shot wraparounds where Justin and my friend Ben are in a pool. With, there's no water. And they're right. doing a show, like a talk show. You know what I mean? And like Ben is an expert. It has a scooter. It's just awful, weird stuff. But we just were young and I don't know. We wanted to be like jackass. We would right. go into like Walmart at like 3 a.m. and get kicked out. 
with like a with like a camera, like filming everything, because you'd have these old guys be like, "Get out of here! Oh, you better get take that camera and leave." <laughs> well, it would just be like some like the guy was always old. It looked like he was hanging on to this job for dear life. This is right. Modesto, California. So the dude would just like charge towards us because he'd see the camera. And I don't know what gets into these old people. Like I remember one guy, right, Savon, he would charge towards me. Out of nowhere, just, you take that camera outside. It's like, it was <laughs> like a poltergeist or something. Yikes. But yeah, it was just like the energy would just fly off of him. But we were always like drunk and fucked up. So we... We shouldn't have been in there, but that's like street side. That was all just us goofing around. At one point, we did commercials for like a local record store just to do the owners. It was in Manteca, but like our skits were on like TV. So right. local TV would have a street side like, come to Replay Records. And eh, you can see it if you go on uh, YouTube, you just put in Replay Records commercials. There's like ones with like puppets. Right. Like Re- Replay Records doesn't exist. <laughs> like that kind of thing. That might still be on Royland.tv, but I I know I follow I think the YouTube channel that has Streetside on it and stuff and um, yeah, that stuff. Streetside is 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 Steve Jobs in the garage to me when it, when I think of like it really how much was. joy you brought it me was since literally, then. Literally, I went through all that footage recently. It's like all in a garage mostly. We had like hours of stuff. There's so much stuff. I don't even know where to begin with that. My favorite story. So these street side commercials are playing on TV for replay records. Our friend that owns the record store told us this story of this lady coming in. One of our commercials looked like it was for starving kids. And then it cuts to like me and Justin with alien heads dancing. And she was like an old lady who d- didn't speak English and she was very confused by the commercial. Yeah. And so she went into the record store to complain, you know, to like tell them like the commercial was disturbing. I don't know. You, you tricked me. Those stories are just like why you do stuff. Yeah. Oh, what that reaction? <laughs> like the David was, Lynch of DIY comedy and then um. I actually met Eric Idle and I, I asked him that question. I was like, Hey, uh, I wanna know something. Like when you guys did comedy, like no one was expecting these jokes. Like who are watching the news and they flip the channel and they see like a naked girl like serving someone in the store and they're like Eric Idle's like, Exactly and I'm like, And you can't really do that anymore. Like you can't fake people out like you used to. Right. We had a discussion about this and it was amazing. It was like I'm telling like my idol, his name's Eric Idol, comedy idol, I guess. Like when you guys did this, it was free reign. So it was like beautiful. You know what I mean? Like their stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you like Monty Python, but oh, yeah. when I first saw it, I imagined yeah, I imagined people in Britain watching television, no nonsense people seeing this and just being like so upset. <laughs> Did you like What About Dick, Eric Idle's like live audio movie? Thing? I don't think I saw that. I, I didn't see that. No. I think, well, it's on Canadian right. Netflix. It's all right. And and you can listen to it on Spotify or Apple if you just want to hear it. It's I, got, I will check it out. It's got Jane Leaves and, and Russell Brands in it, Eddie Izzard. Jane and, Leaves from Frasier? Yeah. I, and I love Frasier. Oh, 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 oh. Um, Tracy Ullman is in it too and some brilliant people. You know, I got a Tracy Ullman story. So it must have been Thanksgiving Tracy Ullman show is on TV. The first time I saw The Simpsons, and it was a Tracy Ullman like sketch. Oh, so and you go that I far back where with The I Simpsons? Was. Yes, I remember being at my cousin's house on Thanksgiving, and then that came on—the early Simpsons stuff that was like badly drawn and just like you know, Bart, you should do yeah. this. <laughs> like, Dad, what is uh, thought and what is life? It was so bonkers because I I saw a cartoon that was for adults. Yeah, And it blew my mind. I remember then when it became a show and I was excited. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So it goes way back for me, that Simpsons obsession. Also, I met the guy that directed those on Trace Field. Oh, wow. He did Eat the Cat. He's like the <laughs> Eat the Cat creator. I remember Eat the Cat. Going from the garage to now, making Street Side and just that early obsession turned hobby, turned passion. I remember going on Instagram Live recently when my internet was good. And you were in the middle of talking about something and you see, you shouted out to me, but you were, I think I told you like that I lived in the Arctic. I, I, I think it may, might've given like a, a patch of a reason as to why I would love to be in, a, in LA, which is, is mostly just to do with the spiritual necessity of wanting to be surrounded by people who are also creative and can talk like we're talking right now and, and love making things. That's pretty much all it has to do with. I've never, except for music 
I had desires to be famous, to get into the music industry. For me, everything I do now for fun is is for fun. Of course, I would love to make a living at it, but I don't know anything really about what it's like to take that passion and face all of what I can only imagine is this onslaught of isolation and, and rejection and stuff that you sort of started to describe for me. And I I wouldn't mind oh, knowing. Oh uh, like, well, I I, I want to well I want to jump back to a point that you made about surrounding yourself with creative people like that is that is important but also like where i live i live around the corner from where walt disney made bambi and pinocchio the magic i feel when i drive past i'm gonna sound psychotic but i drive past the studio almost every day and i feel something i feel a surge of power because i'm in the same neighborhood where that genius did the works of art that changed my life and made me want to be creative does that make sense? What uh, what a weirdo. You're talking about feeling inspired. And that makes sense. But it's like you're saying that energy that I wanted, I want that right. energy. Like I want to be that creative and that that spark that he had. It's like I, I totally. yearn for that. Energy. Exactly. Yeah, it's still there. You know, like I feel it. When I drive by and the windows open and I see those Mickey Mouse ears, I do feel the power of Walt. I feel like his brain is melting into mine. <laughs> Does that make sense? That yeah. sounds crazy, I know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm also on acid at the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was that totally w- joke. Another song, baby. Here we go. So this one was pitched by uh, the artist for review. However, if it, if I did reviews, they would suck and nobody would read them. Nor should they. But Ted Jameson, the artist. If you're listening, Ted, I really... Love this track. I listen to all of your music on Apple, and uh, I'm in love with the songs, the vibes. There's a a multi-era fusion happening. I always like when someone lends familiarity to a song in the right way, like where nothing's taking away from the uniqueness of their song. It's great. Ted Jameson, and the song is called Something. Who am I? Who decides? Happiness that happens in our lives Can the stars align To help me find this power in my mind Keep me steady from going under I pray that I'll be
I was a kid, I totally grew up. I think Toy Story was where I checked out. But like up until like I was obsessed. I got to go to Disney World. This is when The Lion King was coming out. But Aladdin was still the flagship movie. And so the parade represented that. And it was my favorite. Alan Menken songs. Fucking Robin Williams. uh, I mean, that was still in the zone of, of its magic, I think. Right. I think like I'm like you. I checked out like when Hunchback came out, I was like. Uh, something isn't right. Either Hunchback or the not Mulan, like Emperor's New Groove or something. Where I was like, uh, Lion King really was like that last hurrah of like. I think there's like even like a great. Um, someone did an analogy of it recently about Lion King being a very important movie. I don't remember who, but they were talking about its themes, you know, and how important. And I mean, isn't that amazing that that movie can reach that level? Right. Where it's like not just a kids' movie, but. Like for you and I, it represents like a huge lesson in life and also like an important fairy tale, mm-hmm. like in that myth sense. Like that is an important story that means more than you and I understand. I mean, I mean, it's so it's, inheriting your father's kingdom, the evil uncle. You know, yeah, well, when I you think can, it's ha- not Hamlet. Is it Hamlet? It I might be. Ham- I'm not sure. Right. If you can have multiple themes working in tandem with each other, like the father son, the life cycle. The, the growing up story like and this one story the lion king does it all so well that's fuck that's fucked up but there's a magic in a good of, way in a good way there's a magic of that movie has horror suspense delight warmth feel good moments like you need your friends and then moments of like dark like love moments of dark like what the fuck do you do now like revenge right. like it's all in there but it's like for kids like that's what, what sucks is I don't like when kids movies like talk down to kids. It's like I love movies like Lion King or Dark Crystal like they're really trying to like spook you and shake you, you know, with like life lessons. That's one of the many reasons I gravitate towards Channel 101. Nothing talks down to anyone. And when you you feel a joy when you're recognizing something that would go over most people you know's heads, you're, you're in on something. You saw what they saw when they were referencing. It feels so good to find this thing where it's like I identify uh, so much with what's being made and this... Sorry, I'm going to way too in an abstract of a place. I want to say that there's something that I got right, and it was in the pop, where there's a perfect – that I felt that show was perfect because I reached into a deep myth inside myself and pulled out something magnificent that I was proud of that I think all of my friends shared in the kind of moment and, and rush of it. And it communicates what you're talking about where you're someone that sees it. And it says something to you. It speaks to you in a way that not a lot of entertainment does. That was where I figured out the formula of like the quickest way to get it to your brain. Boom. You know the characters. You know the world. I'm playing with themes. I'm playing with ideas. I'm doing Breaking Bad. I'm doing Sin City. Well, that was before Breaking Bad. I'm doing something that's like fucked up but then it's fun and it feels good and you love Popeye. So it's like everything's working. Yeah. You know, and like stylistically, it's working. The actors are working. Like, there's a magic formula that I felt very strong. I wanted to do like ten of them. I was going to do like the Sea Hag with Drew Drogi. I was going to do some like fun stuff. The big uh, goon guy. I was going to try to get Derek Mears. I had like ideas because I would look at my friends and think like, well, who would you play in Popeye's world? You know, like it's a combination of being inspired and trying to give something your flavor. But also in a way that's not denigrating the concept. Yeah. Is that, did I say the right word there? So that I'm not making anything worse than Robert Altman, but I'm doing something that I care about and like the care reaches you. I like that. By the way, for those of you listening, Derek Mears, someone who, uh, among being super talented and brilliant in anything he does, he brutally lost an arm wrestling match against Dirty Cooper in Twin Peaks The Return, and it was a glorious scene. Well done, Derek. I um, have to say that. I've never been more proud of him. I'm more proud of him for that than Friday the 13th because Twin Peaks means so much to me. And to see him in it was like a pure delight. Right. Because I love the guy. It's like he's so talented and cool. And he was in Twin Peaks and it felt like <laughs> like I was in Twin Peaks. Yeah. I was like, because like, this happened recently. I only watched it in the last month. I'm like, fucking 101's in Twin Peaks. And my girlfriend's like, okay. That's Josh Fadum too is in Twin Peaks. No shit. From, he was in Lunatic. Yeah. Oh damn. He was in Breaking Bad also, but he's in Twin. He like was carrying coffee and getting on an elevator at the Great Northern. Right. It was like, like I did stand up with this guy. <laughs> it's crazy. Not together, but I would be in the same lineup. 
you still love stuff. You still love absorbing what you can find that brings you joy. And you still make stuff that brings me joy. I love fucking Enter the Dark, which you can hear on Frequency 101. Download Thank it. You. Thank I enjoy you. it a lot. I really love Puppety very, very Bits. Pr- actually, I'm, I'm really proud of Enter the Dark, actually. <laughs> you should be. It, like, it's a world, and I love everyone who performs in it. Uh, it's well-written. It's well-made. Fucking, it should be like that one that holds the title for for longest running show. I'm always going to vote, vote for it. Well, it, it it is it is very fun to to write that. Very fun because yeah. we love Lost and we love like Twin Peaks. So <laughs> I assume that so had it's to like be a love fun. letter to those kind of shows. I, I assume that had to be fun writing from the get go. The the funny thing is, it was originally supposed to be a one on one show where everything is dark on the screen. Me and Savan actually made a monster puppet for it. But we never shot it. So the script was sitting there over time, and we kept bringing it up time and again about doing it. So then when Frequency 101 came around, we had that script, and all we did was like pretty much like adapt it for um, me and Savon. We just took the script, and then we adapted it to Frequency, like made it more of an audio show. Okay. So it was an old idea that we just repurposed. I think it was called In the Dark, but there was another show called In the Dark, or The Dark. It might have just be called The Dark. Well, I mean, I, I love uh, where it's which, gone. Sorry. No, no, thank you. That means a lot to me. I really enjoy making it. It's like, it's a delight. And everyone in it is fun and talented. Like, you might know Matt from uh, Nirvana the Band, but we're like huge fans of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know that show, Nirvana the Band, the show? They're Canadian. They're uh, Toronto. I know of it because I think I heard you talking about it, but I haven't watched it. Watch um, everything you can find of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> They've done movies too. They did okay. The Dirties and Operation Avalanche. Well, I can't figure out what do I what I want to make the the last question be, but I, I'm just curious. In that Instagram live, I went on a tangent. Well, you were no, no, sense. hold on. You were going towards something, and you were talking about from garage to now. From garage to now, like I'm I'm referencing that chat because I think I might have not been clear about like what I loved about the idea of being in LA, and I think whatever your pursuit is, if it's if creative is a hobby and your job is a job job, or your pursuits are industry or whatever. Or not like for Wait, did me? Did you ask this on the Instagram live? No, no. I, I I vaguely remember that. But you told me something that rang true for you about how rough it can be when you are of having industry pursuits. Or I was just curious with any of the the not so fun times. Uh huh. The reasons that pursuing entertainment as a career and making stuff as a career causes you to get down. Yeah. I'm 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 very I'm very PGing it right now. I'm sure it's a lot more engrossing. Than, <laughs> If you have been through that stuff, why are you still passionate about storytelling and having fun making things? Well, that the second part of what you said is the reason. It's like if you can't have fun, why would you do it? And I just think if you just have fun is like number one, your number one priority. Eventually, the both of the, those things will line up, but not always, and not in the way you think. Right. So, because I have. I don't know if you watched any of my Rob Schraub when I take over his show. It is like what you're talking about where sometimes it goes really well and sometimes it doesn't. And the worst feeling is when it doesn't, you cannot sleep. You cannot get over it. All you think about is that next show and getting it right. I think the torture is combined with the fun because I think if you're not enjoying it, you wouldn't do this. Like I wouldn't go spray for rats if it – I mean, I don't, but I'm saying, like, it's not fun for me. So making a a weird live talk show with my friends is fun, even though, like, I can't sleep the next night or the night before. Because I was joking, saying only Johnny Carson knows what I'm going through. (laughs) Right. Or Gary Shandling. That's kind of the feeling of, like, was that show good? Was I funny? Did I do something too long? Was something else boring? It's like that feeling of, like, you're never going to be satisfied and you're never going to be satisfied with why people aren't satisfied or if they are satisfied, you'll want to know why it's always going to be that. So it's like, no matter what, it's not fun for anybody. I think the fun has to come from you and your passion and why you're doing it and that you're making people laugh and you're enjoying making people laugh. I think that's what matters. We're getting close to the end of our time with Abed, but don't worry recently to now, but a few days ago, Abed and I chatted again to the uh, to be mentioned later in this episode's part two, uh, which will come soon. Sooner than that, however, will be an episode with Clarissa Diocno, a new friend but an acquaintance of many, many years, and someone who warmingly to my heart is from 
and is based in Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario, or as I know it, back home, far away from this frigid Arctic shit. Clarissa Diakno is a superb singer and has finally come out the gate with a superb original song, and I just thought it'd be fun to tee up the next episode by giving you a taste now. There's a music video for it on YouTube. This is Clarissa Diakno with Confusion. Extractions, extractions Bots are growing up, they never told you about Factor, fiction Work to get away, work to make you stay Confusion is strong and you're stringing along Can make decisions, move into your rhythm Passion, false reaction Don't make no appeal when you know it's a real Confusion that is not a kind business. I mean, I think I had a podcast for 13 years and it was like frustrating. There was so many moments of like, like no one's listening to this. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like I was with Rich Fulcher and I just felt like no one was listening to this and and I didn't know how to keep myself. If you want to talk about a low point, towards the end of doing those was when I was like absolutely broken. So I couldn't be funny. You know, I was just absolutely like devastated that I was doing something that no one cared about. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. doing this podcast or whatever it was called before it was called the Todd Donald show. Fucking I've I've lived and died so many times in this podcast. <laughs> but I <laughs> Yeah, we had one we recorded and during the episode I honestly had a major meltdown. Like I started to freak the fuck out. So we didn't release it because it was like a best of Right. And we were talking about old episodes. And I kept going like, what is the point of doing this? I kept like <laughs> slamming stuff. And I was getting really, really drunk. And I was like, because then Rich made me write stuff. And I was right. reading what I wrote. And then he kept interrupting. And I go, why did you ask me to write this if you're not letting me read this? Right. Because like, then he would go, well, you're not getting it right. And I'm like, then why did I stay up half the night coming up with all this stuff? Like, I had like, I think about 10 pages of like things to say. <laughs> And um, yeah, I spent the whole night like working on it. And then he kept interrupting me and saying like, that's not right. And I was like, then why did I do it? 
Because um, that's the bit. That was the bit. Oh. But at the same time, I think I was I was wrapped up in, in some kind of bullshit, and I just I freaked right. the fuck out. And I think the producer's like, "You are you all right? You seem really angry." Well, yeah. <laughs> well, kinda. And it was like we just didn't release it because there was right. an energy that was bad. There was another one with Jackie. Remember Jackie uh, Bruce Carino? It was me, her, and Rich. Jackie goes, "Did you not put it out because I'm bad? Like I'm not funny?" And I'm like. No, no, no. We're all talking over each other. Right. Like there was so much crosstalk that we couldn't even like I noticed Rich that in talks, the Kelsey episode. I talk Sorry. and Jackie talks and it's like a symphony. Oh, of, of me, Rich. You, you've you heard my show with Rich. Gone Riffin, yeah. I, I, it sounded like um, there was a bit of talking over in, in the Kelsey Abbott episode too, where it was like, wait, who's talking to who here? It's not a big deal. I, I have <laughs> to say that um, doing that podcast, the most difficult part was that Sometimes the people there didn't feel like they should be there. Does that make sense? I'm not saying Kelsey felt that way. I'm saying we had issues with like, we had really nothing to talk about. And there was just a lot of meandering that yes, was like confusing as fuck. Because then with like Rob or Willie Roberts, like, you know what I mean? Like they're great. Like they're supplementing me and Rich's madness in a good way. But then other guests that are just like, they almost don't know why they're there. It's like Mike Chilean. And like Mike is like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> it was almost like Mike was so bewildered by the show, you know? Right. So as, as a podcaster, I totally understand. But I'm becoming an artist again. So I'm, I'm, I'm now devoting half of my heart to thinking about it when I'm not in the moment talking with somebody. Because this is why I do it. Editing it and publishing it, I don't give a shit about. One last question. Just a, a light and breezy one. But GVP. Like you were on some of the first ones 11 years ago. This is the Grandma's Virginity podcast, still available on iTunes. I'll link you. I, even on the My first one, podcast. on that earliest one that you're on, you get abused by Justin and Ryan. But I, I think maybe it's in a joking <laughs> way. Why'd you go back? Because you were on it a bunch more times after that. Well, I have a, I have a crazy story. I mean, I... I I don't know where to begin, but we have a complicated relationship that is basically they love me. But when we're on like Howard Stern kind of thing, right? it's entertaining to drive me nuts. And it's entertaining to make me feel like – because I really do feel like I should be peers with them. But they want me to feel that I'm like a joke and I'm just like uh, like a bit. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the living bit. And I guess I go back because I understand the bit. I know that it's funny and that's why people like it. But uh, what I will tell you is a funny story is that we had an episode planned where it was going to be them challenging my friendship and bringing it to court. And it was going to be <laughs> Rob Schraub versus me. And then McCafferty was going to be like my lawyer. So McCafferty was going to represent me. And um, it would have been hilarious. But at the time, I felt like I was taken, being taken advantage of. Right. And that I was a big joke to them. So I didn't do it. I refused to do it. So it never happened. So we all missed uh, what could have been Radio Gold because of my right. feelings. <laughs> I figured I'd tell you that to mean it's not easy and it's not something I'd go back to. But at the same time, I'm such a fan of the show and I know that's my part. Mm-hmm. Listen, like in, I, the, in their world. Sorry. Again, Zoom delay. Hashtag Zoom delay. I, I enjoyed all the stories. <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, for, for me to get what I, what I want to out of one podcast – episode chatting with you it can't be done you're more than welcome back on any time it, it was a pleasure it's we can continue we can continue next week if you want if you want to do a two-parter i'm into that because i feel like you had way more to ask me i do and i, I also just really enjoy chatting with you i feel like we, we got a lot in common but listen we're in each other's world now even if only digitally and uh we'll be chatting context to tonight frequency one-on-one thing and uh abed your frequency one-on-one shows puppety bits Enter the dark. I fucking love them, and it, it's more exciting than you know to be me having something broadcast on something with you and everyone else. So, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> that means a lot. Thanks, man. That's super flattering. Thank you. I appreciate that, and, and I like your show too. I'm like enjoying the fact that you're involved and you're doing it right, and you're having a good time. And also, you used Adam very well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by J.P. Sunga, who you can find at jpsunga.com. 
The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. 